0: Welcome to episode number 212 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. CXO Talk brings together truly, I mean, genuinely, the most interesting and innovative people in the world for in depth conversations where we talk about the impact of technology on business, on society, on our culture, and these disruptive forces that are taking place. I want to thank Livestream because Livestream provides our video infrastructure, and they, man, they're really good. The video is enterprise quality, and it just simply works, and that's about the best thing I can say for them. It's just excellent. Today's show, we are very fortunate to have with us Mike Sutcliffe, who is the group chief executive of Accenture Digital. And Accenture Digital is a very large organization that's doing fascinating things. And uh, Mike Sutcliffe, how are you? And thanks for being here.
1: I'm great. It's a real pleasure to join you again and uh, look forward to the discussion.
0: So Mike, Accenture Digital, we have on our website that Accenture Digital has 36,000 employees and $9 billion in revenue. But I guess those numbers are old because you guys are growing pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think we we, we gave you the numbers from the beginning of last quarter, but we're up to about 41,000 today. And uh, really, we're just the engine inside of Accenture. Uh, Accenture's got about 400,000 employees around the world. Many of them are doing digital work as well. So it's a big team and growing constantly.
0: And you were recently named the uh, fastest-growing or the largest interactive agency by Advertising Age yep. magazine.
1: Yeah, both, actually. Um, we, we answered the Ad Age survey for the first time two years ago, and then we were the third-largest digital marketing agency in the world. Uh, we grew at about 40% that year. And so last year, when we answered the survey, that put us into uh, the number one position in terms of size. And I think you've probably seen uh, recently, we just announced the Carmarama acquisition in London, which we're we're very pleased with. Um, We've got a lot going on. It's It's an exciting time to be in that particular part of the industry because what the chief marketing officers and the chief digital officers and the business unit executives want to achieve is changing and all of the tools that are available to them are changing. So it's a great time to be in the business we're in, which is helping them figure out what they can do and then how to go make it happen.
0: So, Mike, as we begin this discussion, uh, give us some context and tell us what are the focal points or the focal areas for Accenture Digital, this very, very large global organization?
1: Well, I guess the first thing is we're we're working with each of our industry teams across Accenture in our business consulting and our strategy practices to think about how those industries are likely to change how the participants might change, the economics, the commercial models, and the operating models. And then Accenture Digital tries to bring the depth of skills in three areas that we need to stitch together to help those industry teams bring digital transformation to life for our clients. The first piece of our business is Accenture Interactive, the digital agency that we talked about, And within Accenture Interactive, we've got a team that's world-class at designing experiences and thinking about how to create fantastic experiences, not just for the end customer, but for employees and others who are involved in delivering the value for a particular industry. Uh, We also are world-class around both business-to-business and business-to-commerce e-commerce and multi-channel management as people are trying to think about digital not only as a separate channel, but part of a multi-channel experience. Um, We've got people who are thinking about what the next wave of commerce is going to look like. The Accenture Interactive team has figured out that one of the big challenges for our clients is in the area of content management, understanding what type of digital assets are needed, how to create those assets, and then how to distribute them so that you can create a very personalized experience. Um, And we've got lots more that we're doing to try and move into what we believe the next wave of a digital agency will look like as clients try to focus on personalization and creating experiences that matter at a more granular level. The second part of what we do is Accenture Analytics. Um, That is a rapidly changing business, but I would say 100% of the jobs we do require skills from our analytics team, whether they're they're traditional advanced analytics or some of the emerging artificial intelligence tools and techniques that clients are trying to use, again, to invent what's possible and think about a different future. And then the third piece that we focused on traditionally is what we call Accenture Mobility, where, of course, we do mobile app development and testing, but we also are very, very active in the world of IoT both with our own platform and partnering with others like Microsoft, GE, Intel, SAP, et cetera. And uh, that has now expanded into kind of a fourth area that we're just launching called Industry X.0, where we're working with clients to actually build and design physical products, smart products and services, and uh, integrate the world of operational technology and information technology around smart manufacturing. So whether you start with digital marketing or you go you go all the way to the other side with manufacturing and distribution and product design we've got a fairly wide breadth of practice and uh, it's really interesting because we're seeing that it's equally interesting to those consumer facing industries that many people think about when they think about digital and it's also interesting to the oil and gas companies the chemical companies the utilities and many of the other industries that that traditionally aren't thought of as directly consumer-facing.
0: Mike, when you talk about uh, the the central aspects of digital experience and e-commerce and personalization and the use of data and the use of analytics, this, as you said, goes far beyond marketing. And your customers are, in many cases, traditional, established, -established Mm well-established organizations. How do you take them through this kind of transformation, which in in many cases is just so different from what they've done in the past?
1: Well, the good news is that most of our clients are interested in the topic. They're actively working on it. They're asking good questions, and they're thinking with a fairly broad perspective about what's possible. Uh, We traditionally start with the conversation around the digital customer channel and market question, asking how their customers are behaving, how digital tools and techniques can enable them, whether there are new digital markets they need to participate in, or whether the digital channels need to be integrated differently into their multi-channel experience. So when we start on that side of the conversation, they start to imagine a different capability around how they personalize and interact with customers. And then they start to really dive into the experiences, thinking creatively about what's possible in the future about how they're going to serve their customers. Now, once they've imagined that and they've come up with these fantastic ideas of what the next generation of an experience might look like, they find the reality of the existing operating model is not going to allow them to deliver that at scale in a very efficient manner. So they have to then turn the table to the digital enterprise. They have to ask the question, how are we going to operate the company? What are the basic business processes, the organizations, the technical architectures? How are we gonna take advantage of other people's platforms in addition to the ones that we own internally? And they start asking those questions. When they've got both of those questions on the table at the same time, then we know they're really ready for a digital transformation that can work at scale and also happen at pace.
0: So when you think about, or when you talk about a digital organization, what does that mean for you and for your customers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I think it's different by uh, industry in terms of how it's actually implemented, but there are some indicators that tell us that people are thinking the right way and embedding digital in their organization. The first is that they think fairly expansively about digital. They don't create a digital subunit and think of it as something that's on the side, kind of an experiment over in the the corner. They think about digital as something that's going to be pervasive across the business. The second thing is they stop thinking about their business as a black box that they're going to design and operate kind of as an independent entity. And they really start thinking about collaboration with the ecosystem, the platform economy, how they're going to integrate technologies with others, etc. And, and when they start thinking in that manner, they start seeing opportunities to create leverage in their business that hasn't existed before. That then, I think, usually leads them to think differently about what's possible in terms of what they can do for their customers, the value propositions they can create, the experiences they can provide. And they start to think about smarter products and smarter services and different commercial models as being something that they should move towards as opposed to something they should be afraid of. So when, when, you, when you ask what makes a, an organization digital, it's really their openness to a more, um, uh, what I would call creative and thoughtful process about how they're going to create value for their clients and what the operating models and the, the tools and the techniques are going to be to get them there. So,
0: so, the, so they're rethinking, I hesitate to say from the ground up, but they're rethinking core principles of how they, what they're selling, how they're selling, how, what is their relationship to their customers and, and so forth.
1: Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, th- th- that's the opportunity that digital provides. I mean, you know, from our perspective, the the tools and the techniques that we're, we're bringing from the, the digital markets are just a new set of tools that can enable them to accomplish their mission, whether the mission is providing better health care or better government services or a better shopping experience or better educational experience, whatever that mission is. We believe the digital tools and techniques are going to allow them to create an inflection point that creates a much better outcome for the people that they're trying to serve. And as long as they, they start with that in mind and they're open to the fact that the way they've, they've accomplished the mission in the past was based on the tools that were available in the past, and the way that they're going to accomplish it in the future is based on all of these new tools, then we think that they'll, they'll make progress pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quickly.
0: I want to remind everybody, we are talking with Mike Sutcliffe, who is the group CEO of Accenture Digital, which is a $9 billion organization with 41,000 employees, talking about digital transformation. And you can tweet right now questions directly to Mike using the hashtag CXOTalk. And Mike, we have a question from Twitter, from Jill Rowley. Who is asking? Can you talk about the impact of digital transformation on business-to-business sales?
1: You know that's actually a great question. We we have that question quite frequently from clients. Uh, the going-in assumption that many people have is that the the digital tools and techniques are really useful in our personal lives as we're consumers, but they don't necessarily translate into a business-to-business environment. Uh, I would tell you our experiences, they're equally applicable there. The first thing that we note is that the expectations that you have as an individual in how you use digital tools personally in entertainment, in in shopping, in exercising, or or other areas of your life, um, they translate into the business world. And so into a business-to-business environment, Um, What is still true is that um, we see a massive amount of work going on through um, search, through product um, experimentation where people are out looking for different products that can serve their needs, uh, for simulations, for all sorts of ways that people can educate themselves on the, the availability and the capability of different products in the ecosystem. But we also see what I would call more industrial connectivity that's being created through API architectures as members of the supply chain start to work together in a much more collaborative fashion, as they start opening up their product catalogs and the metadata associated with their products and services, as they start providing transparency into the supply chain and the availability of product in different geographies or different points in time, as they start opening up some of their pricing models to others in the ecosystem to participate and creating joint solutions together, we, we see all sorts of activity going on in the business-to-business space that's creating better connectivity, better transparency, faster cycle times, and it's allowing people to collaborate in ways that they haven't in the past. So we absolutely see clients in the B2B space making massive progress with digital.
0: This is amazing, I mean, to, to, to think about large industrial companies collaborating and creating tr- supply chain transparency through APIs. Can you tell us, uh, are there particular industries that you see right now or particular types of companies who are facing great disruption and also who are doing this really well?
1: Well, I guess, you know, the, probably the, the most well-known case study that people are talking about is what GE has been doing with Predix, right? And the, the underlying assumption that they had when they, they, they set out on the journey was that they could introduce new technology into the ecosystem that would allow people to create digital twins, not only for the physical products, but digital twins of the manufacturing processes, I think in the early stages they were focused on GE equipment and GE products, but now they've opened it to a, a multi-vendor, multi-product environment, and they're they're moving across industries. We see them, you know, in oil and gas pipeline monitoring. We see them in healthcare claims processing. We see them working with utilities and power generation and nuclear management. So, um, you know, they're a great case study of somebody who's out there pushing digital tools into the environment and trying to create connectivity, not just between GE and GE's customers, but between the GE's customers' ecosystems. Uh, And that's making a huge difference. Now, of course, GE is not alone in that. We see SAP going down the same path. You see Snyder Electric and Siemens and others in the industrial sector who are very, very rapidly taking advantage of similar tools and capabilities. Of course, the automotive industry has always been a leader, in terms of uh, applying you know robots to the manufacturing process working across the supply chain differently and uh, even today we see them experimenting and trying lots of new things to try and move the ball forward so you know whether it's power generation or automotive or uh, oil and gas systems there's plenty of activity going on
0: what about the role of technology you know we we it's kind of implicit in this that Technology is is a key piece. That's what we tend to focus on, yep. but the culture is also a key piece. So how do how does technology and culture, tech and business, fit together and intertwine here?
1: You know, an- another great question, Michael. Um, I, the first thing that we would say is the technology is the tool set. It's not the end goal. It's not the, um, the 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 catalyst that's going to be the driver to get the result our clients are looking for. It's just the tool that they use to get there. As I talked earlier about our clients' missions and their ability to go achieve their mission in a different way, that's highly dependent on their workforce and the creativity of their workforce, the energy of their workforce, their willingness to change the way they work and to do things uh, that, that maybe haven't been done in the past. So for us, um, if you look at our tech vision that we we produce every year and you go back to 2013 you remember the very first tech vision for, that we we did that was related to digital in 2013 we said every business is a digital business and people back then were saying well i'm a chemical company why do you know why would i be a digital business but now they all get that they understand what we were saying in 2014 we actually said well it's actually not about you uh it's 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 about the ecosystem And so stop thinking of your business in in the walls of your business and start thinking about the ecosystem and understanding how to leverage the other pieces of technology that you didn't create, but you can now take advantage of. In 2015, we actually said from disrupted to disruptor. And what we were saying is you don't have to wait to be disrupted. You can go become the disruptor. This year, we talked about putting people first. And what we said in our Accenture our technology vision was, it was technology is about enabling people. It's about enabling people to do things differently and accomplish things they haven't been able to accomplish before. So that's really how we think about technology. We think about it as the enabler that allows the workforce to go do things they weren't able to do last year.
0: But this creates a very specific challenge, I think, because it means, see, in the old days, technology was siloed. So we had the technical experts and they were inward looking at that technology. But today, if technology is just the, the jumping off point, those technology experts need to be working lockstep hand in hand with the people on the business side. And so how does that, how do you create that kind of uh, cross-silo, cross-departmental organizational thinking and action?
1: Well, I, I guess the, the, there are a couple things that, that, that come together. The first thing is that most of the IT organizations that we speak with are very conscious of the fact that they have to move past the traditional systems of record and systems of control into the new world of systems of engagement, right? Where they're working with the marketing organization, they're focused on customer engagement and and creating and delivering different experiences. So, So they're part of the conversation. But in many cases, they don't have the skills, the assets, the capabilities, or even the funding to do everything that the business wants to accomplish. So at the same time, the internal IT organizations are pivoting to this different world They're learning new architectures. They're building new capabilities internally. We're also seeing a transfer in many of the cases where a chief marketing officer or a business unit executive or a chief chief digital officer says, you know, maybe I don't need to own the technology. Maybe I can rent it. Maybe I can go subscribe to a service that exists in the ecosystem, and I can take that and mesh it with what we've had internally, and I can create what I'm looking for and I can experiment. And then if six months from now, it's not meeting my needs, I, then maybe I'll go back and build something internally. But we are seeing a lot more willingness to subscribe to services and to mix and match from the technology ecosystem, the capabilities that they need to get a particular capability delivered for the business. And we think that's healthy. We think the, um, you know, the mix and match approach and the experimentation that comes with that is allowing clients to move faster. And then if they decide that it's strategically important that they own something and they, they build it internally, they can always go back and do that. But they've, they've, they've gotten the speed to market accomplished without necessarily spending the budget that would have been required to do it from scratch.
0: What about the role of IT? Where does IT and the CIO fit into this equation?
1: Well, I think they're integral. I mean, you, you can't accomplish anything that you want to accomplish in terms of creating better experiences, connecting with your customers, and in delivering the experience that you've promised through the marketing organization without incredibly strong IT. I mean, it's it's no longer a luxury. I mean, IT is a core requirement, not just to, to run the business, but to actually deliver the experiences that customers are looking for, and so the CIO, in in almost all of the client situations that I'm personally aware of, the CIO is not just at the table, but they're they're driving the conversation in terms of what they can contribute. The difference is they're now at the table with a lot more people who are all depending on them to help them get there very quickly. So you know it's a bigger conversation, but the CIO is just critical to getting it right.
0: And uh, what about the relationship between CIO and chief digital officer? How, does th- how do those pieces fit together?
1: Well, that kind of depends. You know, We've seen three different types of chief digital officers that, that have, have you know, been named in different industries. Uh, in many cases, the chief digital officer comes from a marketing background, and they're, they're really focused on what I would call the digital channel and the, the digital experience. And in many cases, they're more externally focused and they're, they're more willing to use external services and kind of move independently from what's happening in the CIO organization. But, but that over time, those usually come together because you can't really do much for the customer without access to all the customer information, all the product information, pricing information that exists in your legacy environments. The second kind of chief digital officer that we see uh, comes from the IT world, right? And they're they're the people who grew up in IT, and they're trying to figure out how to learn artificial reality or artificial intelligence or blockchain or, you know, one of the emerging technology sets uh, and figure out how that applies to their business. And those are all rapidly moving spaces, right? So when we think about what's happening in the world of mobility or in industry convergence with manufacturing or blockchain, you know, those are not static environments. And so the the chief digital officers that are focused on the technology side of the equation are usually working hand in hand with the CIO. And what they're trying to figure out is how do we manage the two speed IT question, right? We've still got to manage the legacy environment, create predictable results, We've got to manage the budgets and and, the pace of change on a fairly rapid timeline, but we also need to experiment and, and be on the leading edge, if not the bleeding edge, of some of these technologies in order to serve the needs of the business. And then the third kind of chief digital officer that we see are people who are really business people who are focused on creating a brand new commercial model or disrupting an industry value chain, fundamentally changing the way a particular business is going to execute. And so for example if we think about how healthcare is working today, right? Um, what we hope is not that we get some incremental improvements in how delivery is executed at the doctor's office or in a particular part of the hospital, we're thinking about how we use uh, preventative medicine to avoid a lot of the process that's going occurring, you know, from from the the very beginning of the process. And so so that third type of of chief digital officer Is usually relying on the CIO to answer the question, what's possible? Can you do this? And um, what we're seeing is all three of those types of chief digital officers over time become more and more dependent on a very productive symbiotic relationship with the CIO in order to get their jobs right.
0: I want to excuse me, I want to remind everybody we're talking with Mike Sutcliffe, who is the Group CEO of Accenture Digital, and you can ask questions using the hashtag on Twitter, CXOTalk, hashtag CXOTalk. Mike, uh, you've been talking about placing the customer at the center, and marketing is also dramatically changing as it becomes digital and is evolving very, very quickly. And you're right in the center of that. So what do you see is happening to marketing at your most leading edge clients today?
1: Well, I guess the the first thing you would say is um, they're all well down the path of figuring out how to change the balance and the weight in their advertising activities between traditional media and digital media. But that took several years for them to figure out how to take advantage of all the different digital markets that existed and how to place ads and where they're getting value or not getting value. Um, In that particular space, there is a huge transition going on to video. And so, you know, we're seeing an explosion of video. And what we expect to see in that particular space in the next generation is the the more advanced uses of artificial, virtual, or mixed reality. So there's a lot of experimentation going on now. There's a lot of excitement about the difference that you get in engaging with customers using video as opposed to. Um, the more traditional tools that they've been using in the past, but I would say that 's kind of well understood ground, and most people are making you know very, very rapid progress there. What the chief marketing officers are asking themselves is, how do I fundamentally change the level of engagement that we have with clients? So I understand how to attract them, I understand how to create a conversation with them. But what I really want to understand is how do I create an experience for them that's sticky, that creates loyalty and predictability and how I'm going to engage and, and hopefully creates a customer experience that they're just not going to get elsewhere. If you look at, for example, what we see at and doing today in the, uh, the the market that they're serving, you know, we see them trying to change the value proposition, the experience with customers who are wanting access to video. So we've seen the launch of DirecTV now and the promise from AT&T that if you're using AT&T mobility option, um, you know, you're not consuming your data plan. That's a really thoughtful approach in saying, you know, we're trying to create stickiness in a customer experience that our customers can only get from AT&T. You've probably saw the recent announcement that we made with Carnival Cruise Lines, where Carnival Cruise Lines is trying to imagine and then create the best possible experiences for anybody coming on a cruise from before they've stepped on the boat, where they've thought about you know, what's going to happen on the cruise, what would they enjoy, what activities while they're on the boat, what activities while they're um, in a port. And then while they're actually there, how do we make it seamless and easy? How do you avoid lines? How do you get rid of the frictional... Um, you know, experience of trying to pay for things while you're in in different environments. And so they're thinking very, very broadly about that customer experience. And that's what we're seeing CMOs focus on because they're saying creating fantastic customer experiences starts with how do I communicate and how do I sell? How do I, you know, engage them and convince them to come and consume some of my products and services? But more importantly, when they're here, Do they believe that they're getting something that they can't get elsewhere, that this is the most attractive place for them to come do whatever their intention is? And so for us, the chief marketing officer's focus has shifted from engaging and trying to attract attention to saying, no, we know how to do that. Now let's focus on how do we design and deliver an experience that delivers the promise that this brand stands for. And how do we make that so unique that we create better loyalty, you know, repeat customers, et cetera, because that's a much more profitable way to run the business. And that's what we see them focused on
0: today. So unique, personalized experiences yep. that the consumer cannot get elsewhere. So how, do these, how are these leading edge companies creating these personalized experiences?
1: Well, the first question is, do they know their customers, right? So, you know, step one is really understanding the customers, not necessarily the way they have in the past by segmenting the customers based on their demographics and profiles, but understanding their intentions and their behaviors. One of the concepts that we talk to clients a lot about is living services. Um, Our Fjord Design Agency published a paper about 18 months ago on the concept of creating services that continue to learn about how a customer behaves and then tune the service so that it does a better job serving that particular customer. And so when, when we we talk to clients about how they're going to create these experiences that are so compelling, it starts with, well, are you listening? Are you watching and understanding how customers behave? And are you understanding their intentions at a personal level based on not just their demographics, but but their prior behaviors and interactions with you? And then have you figured out how to organize so that you can personalize the response at scale? Now, that's really hard to do, right? It's, it's easy to do when you're doing a pilot or a proof of concept, because you can just use brute force and you can have a small number of customers and say, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could do this for every customer? The question is, how do you do it for every customer? And so one of the things we're working on right now is a a, um, pilot on how to treat patients who have diabetes and help them manage diabetes over their life so that they can have a healthier life with fewer side effects and be treated at a lower cost so that everybody's happier, their healthcare provider's happier, they're happier, their family's happier, et cetera. Um, That's a great example of a living service because every single patient, is in a different place in the disease pattern. And every single patient has a different lifestyle and a different set of preferences. So it's trying to solve that level of personalization, but be able to do it for every diabetes patient in the world. That's the hard part.
0: And you employ, inside Accenture Digital, you have something like 1,300 data scientists. And so I have to assume that those folks are playing a key role in what you're just describing now.
1: Yeah. And actually, as I said, we keep growing. Uh, You know, we've we've uh, we're now up to about eighteen hundred data scientists and uh, (laughs) they're they're all over the world. We have them focused uh, in groups that are that are focused on particular areas of expertise um, like machine learning. And we have some that are focused on particular industries or particular problems that they're trying to solve. But uh, as I said, one hundred percent of the projects we do require people from Accenture Analytics to get involved, because if you're going to do this at scale, uh, you have to be providing actionable insight that people who are on the front line of serving your customers can actually use in their day jobs. And you have to do it in a way that makes it basically invisible to them. Uh, Paul Darty, who's our chief technology officer, when he talks about our point of view on artificial intelligence, he says, look, we're not trying to make super humans. We're trying to make humans super. And what that means is we just want them to do their job in a way that's very intuitive. And we want to provide them the decision support and the insights in the normal flow of what they're doing so they can do a better job. And, and our data scientists are trying to figure out where can we get the data, not just internally, but externally. Where can we get the data? How can we use it? How can we create insights? And most importantly, how can we get the insight to the person in the business that needs it so they can use it in real time? So that's the focus of our data science team. Um, Of course, we do the traditional business intelligence and the analytics that that describes what's happened in the past, and maybe even it describes why it happened. But we're much more interested in the the sets of data science that ask the question, what's going to happen? And what should I do about it? And for us, that's kind of the pivot point of where we're focusing our data science team.
0: So on the predictive analytics.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: We have a question from Twitter, and I hope I'm going to pronounce his name correctly. So Hale Sarwar, and he's asking, so Hale is asking about the changing role of the chief financial officer in supporting the business in a digital and strategic way during this era of digital transformation.
1: You know another really excellent question. Um, one of the things that we see with the introduction of many of these solutions that are enabled by digital tools and techniques is they change the underlying economic model that might have existed in an industry or for a particular product or service. And especially when we see new entrants come in disruptively um, who are who are monetizing, the the customer relationship or the product experience in a completely different way. So the obvious answer to this question might be, of course, the chief financial officer needs to approve the projects and provide the funding and probably needs to be part of the decisions on how you shift spend across the, the different business units and how you think about the investments in the digital transformation. But they won't really be doing that unless they understand and and really appreciate the potential disruption to the commercial models, to the pricing algorithms, and and to the market share that's existed in the past when these disruptive solutions get introduced. Uh, I just saw a a survey that uh, was published yesterday that uh, said that one third of the consumers that were surveyed in the United States were asked the question, they were all asked the question, if one of the social uh, platform providers like a Facebook uh, was to enter the financial services industry, would you transition your financial services relationships to somebody from that world? And one third of them said, yes, right. We, We would absolutely do our banking or get our home loan or take a credit card from somebody like a Facebook. Now, if you're the chief financial officer and you're in the financial services industry and you're thinking about how banks value a credit card customer that's going to look a lot different when the credit card customer is coming from a different space yesterday we saw the announcement that um, um, amazon has just uh, launched a credit card that gives you five percent cash back if you ordered through amazon well you know, if you're JPMC and you've been offering 2% cash back on physical products, and now Amazon is offering 5% cash back if you order through Amazon, that's a fundamental disruption in the economics of the market you've been serving. So the question is, does the chief financial officer really understand where those disruptions could occur and how quickly it can evaporate the underlying economics that have supported the business model you're operating today? If they get that, Then they'll be actively funding the investments in the digital transformation program because they'll understand what's at risk if we don't get this right.
0: So essentially, this is analogous to the CIO, where you need somebody in that role who has the sophistication to really understand what the levers of future revenue and future business model are going to be. Absolutely. So we have another question uh, from Twitter, and this is from Ram. Prasad, and I hope again I'm pronouncing your name correctly. And he's asking a great question. Uh, I'll ask you to answer it quickly because we're running out of time. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so, so he's asking, What are the digital opportunities for mid sized services firms? And I get this question from services companies as well. You know, we've been doing implementations of SAP or whatever, and the world is changing around us. What do we do?
1: I guess it depends on what kind of service you're providing. I mean, are you talking about if you're talking about an IT services firm? Um, sure, sure. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, frankly, our business is getting disruptive. I mean, one of the things that Accenture Digital is doing for Accenture is trying to position us for the disruption that's coming to our industry. So I guess my advice to you would be um, learn as much as you can about the emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, augmented and virtual reality, blockchain, et cetera. And be relevant to clients and helping them implement those new and in, you know, in, in very interesting types of solutions for their industries. I would say if you're in a part of the business that's commoditizing, um, just expect that it's going to commoditize faster, right? So I, I think you know the, the best advice I can give is reposition your team as quickly as possible into the emerging set of technologies that the clients are going to be shifting their spend to in the near future
0: and i it has just been tweeted that cxo talk is trending number 50 in the us at the moment excellent so, uh, so thanks to everybody who's tweeting and we have just a couple of minutes left we're talking with mike sutcliffe who is the group chief executive of accenture digital his organization employs 41,000 people and mike in the last few minutes that we have left 41,000 people with 9 billion dollars Of revenue. I can't even imagine. How how do you manage that kind of an organization?
1: Well, I guess the first thing I would tell you is um, we're very lucky to be part of the Accenture organization. If you follow Ellen Shook, who's our chief leadership officer and our chief human resources lead, or Julie Sweet, who's our, our CEO in North America, they're very actively talking about a lot of the employee programs that we're driving. But we're not trying to create a single Accenture. We're trying to create a culture of cultures. We're trying to let people be who they are and be authentic in their leadership style and work on the kind of work that they're passionate about. And so, yeah, we've got 41,000 people that are doing digital, but within that 41,000, we have you know, creative people who are doing experience design at Fjord and we've got e-commerce experts in Acuity and we've got the new Carmarama acquisition over in, in London, which is our first move into the front end of creative services. And they're different, right? They, the, the people in Accenture Analytics think differently than the people who are doing the IoT work. And so what we're trying to do is allow people to be good at what they're passionate about and bring to us the expertise and what's the best way to get this done in the part of the business that they're serving. So that's what we're trying to accomplish, and we're, we're lucky to be part of an Accenture system that allows us to freely move people um, to the opportunities that they're going to be most passionate about. And um, as long as we do that, I'm confident we'll continue to grow successfully.
0: How do you uh, ensure that these people are all working towards a common set of goals, common set of objectives?
1: Well, I guess the first thing is just starts with our values as a company, right? We, we talk a lot about the Accenture mission to help our clients change the way the world works and lives and improve the way they deliver their missions. And we're a very client-centric organization. We want to do what's always in the best interest of our clients. So we, try, we spend a lot of time with our people from the day they join the firm talking about our values and what we're trying to achieve for our clients, And as long as they understand that and are acting on that agenda, everything else falls in place reasonably quickly. However, we have a lot of training programs. We literally offer literally thousands of training courses per year for our people. And everyone in Accenture has a coach who helps them understand what training to go take, how to manage their personal careers. And if they have questions, they've got somebody they can turn to to say, Why does it work this way? How can I work more effectively, et cetera? So we kind of think of it as a team sport. We give the team some clear direction on what we value and how we expect them to behave. And then we let them go do what they do.
0: And is this this the same pattern that you are observing in your most high-performing clients as well?
1: Absolutely. I I absolutely think our, our clients are doing the same. They're recognizing the power of their people. They're open to the fact that it's not a top-down command and control, a process that gets the best out of people. So they're they're allowing people to bring fresh ideas and new ways of thinking to the table, and then they're willing to experiment to learn what works, what doesn't. So you know we're we're spending a lot of time right now, for example testing internal crowdsourcing and seeing you know what we can learn from that and how that compares to what we do with external crowdsourcing. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of clients who are equally interested in in finding ways to open their culture and get the best out of their people.
0: We have t- literally 2 minutes left okay. and in that 2 minutes would you summarize the your the essence of your distilled wisdom or experience? on what makes digital transformation work and what are the key, say, obstacles or, or impediments that, that you've observed? Well, I guess
1: what makes it work, as I said earlier, is a, a wide aperture in your thinking about what's possible, right? Uh, the digital technology is just a tool set to work with. The question is, what are you trying to do with it? What are you trying to achieve in your core mission? And if you're willing to rethink the operating model that you've used in the past, because these new tools change the underlying economics of how you can do what you do, we think you're set up for success. I would tell you the things that 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 are going to create barriers for you is um, if you try and do this yourself. I mean, this is a it's an ecosystem sport. The people who are winning are open to partnering with others in the ecosystem, um, and they're they're not trying to kind of tightly control their their corporate boundaries and their corporate walls they're saying hey let's really think about being part of a supply chain and an ecosystem that serves a set of customers and think about how we partner with others and and so if we can you know if we if we can get clients in that mindset we think they're they're set up for success the clients that we see struggling are the ones that are still kind of trying to tightly control and hold on to the way they've worked in the past
0: okay wow this has been a very fast 45 minutes you've. Been, sure <laughs> you have been watching episode number 212 of CXO Talk, and we've been speaking with Mike Sutcliffe, who is the group chief executive officer of Accenture Digital. Mike Sutcliffe, thanks again for taking your time and being with us.
1: My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for inviting me today.:
0: Everybody? Thank you. Next week, our show is on Thursday because we're going to avoid uh, the the uh, inauguration, and we'll be talking about the future of healthcare, especially focused on AI in healthcare. So please join us next Thursday, and we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.